Tracy Krieger was an impactful sports leader in Wisconsin. And I was joined by Tracy's son, Brendan, to reflect upon the impact that his father had over many years as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, and as a sports official. Tracy became widely known throughout Wisconsin as a passionate leader and as a skilled and talented mentor of both young people and of other coaches and leaders throughout the state. It was great for me to be able to learn from Brendan about what was behind this commitment that his dad had and to learn about what kept him going and why he did it. Describing his dad, Brendan said that he shared what he loved, that in participating as an official, as a coach, as a competitor, his dad was sharing what he loved, and that through that love of sport, he was able to touch and impact so many people around him in the schools he worked at and in all the playing fields and playing courts where he worked with so many people. So as we learn about leadership and if we learn about growing the good through sport in this project, especially in youth sport settings, it's really inspirational to have a model like Tracy and the life he lived over many years of impact, committed to pursuing his passion in sport and to looking out for others and doing sports for the right reasons. Thank you so much, Brendan, for sharing with us some of the lessons from your dad. And I know we'll all grow from learning lessons from Tracy Krieger here on the Sport and the Growing Good podcast. I mean, I wasn't there, so bear with me on that. But uh, um, it was very important to him. My understanding was that my grandfather was a a pretty good athlete himself, um, ended up kind of giving up sports um, to, to make money, um, get employed, uh, sooner than he otherwise would have. Um, but then my grandfather was, a, uh, an educator as well, like my father was, and then, and then was a coach. So, you know, kind of had that type of role model or maybe, you know, already liked, you know, what he saw, um, as part of that, um, growing up. And then he was very active and engaged, just like, you know, all young people are, or many young people are, I guess I should say, in sports, especially coming from a family like that. Um, he was the youngest out of, out of three siblings. So, you know, kind of keeping up with the older ones, his older brother and sister. Um, and then my dad was, um, I want to say he, uh, I was trying to read back on some of the old memorabilia. I want to say he was like an eight-time letter winner in high school, um, mostly uh, cross country and, and track. Um, but then he played football a little bit then too, and, and basketball. Um, so he was really proud of that. Went to state in, in track. I think he took third, if I remember right, in the one mile. Um, went to, um, uh, UW, started at UW Stevens Point, um, but then transferred to UW Superior, where then he um, ran cross country and track as well then too. So obviously a very, very important part of his life. Um, very active in that regard and, and actually a very, very good athlete as it turned out too. And I know that you have siblings as you, as you did, you had siblings growing up and right. Brother and did, sister, yeah. were, were sports about a, a part of your household growing up. And if, if they were, how did your dad 
talk about sports with all of you, like why you should do it. And did he have certain rules or beliefs about sports participation in your family? Sure. So, I mean, I, I would say the biggest rules just were if you start something, I, you know, I expect you to complete it, whether it was sports or, or another extracurricular, whether, you know, drama or band or, or anything like that. Um, so, you know, if then if it wasn't right for you after that, so be it. Right. But if you start the season, you're going to be engaged. You're going to be committed to this. Right. You've got teammates that are relying upon you and a, and a coach that's relying upon you. And so you're committed. Um, that was the biggest expectation in, um, from that standpoint. Um, as for how I was introduced to that, for me, I was raised with it. Um, he <laughs> I was uh, he would have me lead the team out <laughs> when I could when I could walk and run when I was really young. Uh, I remember when it was a really big deal when I actually made my layup leading the team out uh, to, to everyone. Um, so, you know, it was like a family affair. I, I'm sure that that's pretty familiar territory for most coaches where you're asking the spouse to sacrifice a lot, you know, time and effort. Um, and then the kids as well, you know, so we were both involved helping support, uh, you know, his programs then too, but then here was a chance for something to be our own and then he would be there as well. Right. Um, so in that sense, there was that, um, but I never felt pressured. Um, I talked to my siblings then too, just to, you know, get their thoughts as well. And, and they didn't either. Um, my sister, um, like stopped playing basketball their sophomore year, just wasn't a good fit. Um, you know, and just focused on track and cross country. And I'm sure dad was a bit disappointed. Right. But it's just the whole, you know, like in the shared experience type thing. But she said, yeah, you know, he was fine with that. You know, it was okay. So it was open about that. It was, you know, I want you to try this. I want you to pursue your own interests, um, learn what's right for you, right? Again, whether it's in sports or the arts or, you know, whatever it is, um, find that passion and share that passion with, with others basically was, was kind of that message. And then once you're doing it, you know, do your best. That's the other expectation is let's work at it. Let's try to be as good as we can be, um, you know, and that was something he tried to exemplify then too. I read that he coached so many things over the years in many different places and many different settings from young ones all the way up through the college level. Do you know the kind of origin story of him coaching what attracted him to coaching? And do you have memories of what he was like as a coach? Sure. Um, for what attracted him, I'm sure that part of it was emulating his father. Um, I'm sure that some of it though is just, you don't want to let it go. I mean, um, it's a way to continue to be a part of sports, to be a part of athletics, to share that passion that I was just talking about, share that love for something. And um, as a coach, that's probably one of his greatest strengths and greatest weaknesses. I characterize him as very passionate about it, um, very enthusiastic, very energetic. And he shared that type of um, those type of feelings then with whomever he was exposing to it. Um, you know, whether it was as a teacher, right, the classic stereotype, he was a, a social studies and phi ed teacher on the, on the side besides coaching. Um, um, but so then, you know, trying to, again, introduce people to, you know, various sports, physical activity, the joy of it, right? Um, you know, just being more fit and healthier in general. Um, and then just taking joy in as somebody was 
mastering even if not the entire sport just a skill around it right seeing that progress and and sharing that that joy with them that's very fulfilling for a, a lot of coaches I'm, I'm sure and, and for him as well that was something that I know um he really liked he really liked catching up with an old student athlete or just even an old student uh to find out how they developed where they went with their life um and so you know, anytime that you can inspire somebody as an educator, whether as a coach or, or, you know, just the more traditional educator, obviously, that's very, very fulfilling to know that you're making a difference in somebody's life. And so he reveled in that. Um, and so I, I said before, I think that enthusiasm and that passion was his greatest strength, because then that's infectious, right? It gets people to buy in um, to the, you know, to the teamwork, to the sacrifice, to being a greater than the a greater hold than the sum of the parts um, and all of that. But in some ways it was also his, you know, a weakness of his. Um, uh, he could rub pump some people the wrong way, right? Since he was so enthusiastic with the things he was interested in, right? Or, or you know, having his, his perspective and maybe not seeing others quite as much. Um, and also uh, he was very competitive. And so, you know, if he didn't like a call, he would ride, ride the refs and, Probably that was sometimes to his detriment where, you know, you forget the tactics then and, and focusing on that as opposed to, you know, arguing a call or something like that. But um, but overall, you know, I think he was good at compartmentalizing. He would, you know, hey, I'm intense. I'm going for it during the game. Yeah, I might even take the loss hard. But, you know, now it's OK. Right. I mean, it's a it's a fraternity here, whether a coaching fraternity, a fraternity of players, even a roughing fraternity then, too. And and so you know, you got to do that. I mean, we're all in it together in a sense. It's, it's a jumping off point. It's a chance for, for people to share in something, right. Even if it is a competition to begin with, um, you know, it teaches us basically that we have something that we can strive for and improve ourselves with and compete against somebody else. But then, you know, Hey, you know, we can both enjoy it. We both have this, you know, fellowship then together then as well. That's an interesting perspective. Um, from a, a child to watch a parent have some, have such a passion for something and such an enthusiasm for something. And do you have memories as a child of what you thought as you you saw your dad so passionate for the good or for the bad, whether it was, get, you know, getting on a referee or, or great passion, enthusiasm when something went right. Do you remember observing that and what you thought or what maybe some of your siblings thought about your dad's passion for sport? I'm sure sometimes there was some embarrassment uh, for my siblings, uh, not to speak for them too much. Um, you know, at the time, maybe didn't think of analyze it too much, at least not until I was older, right? Um, at the time, all you think about is, boy, this person really wants to win and probably as badly as I do. Um, but it was, you know, maybe then when I was getting older that I was, you know, having that type of perspective that you mentioned just there, um, starting to notice how, you know, after the game, um, often he would invite the refs for for a dinner, right, before, before going home, since it might be a long drive back yet. Um, and because he knew a lot of them otherwise then, too. Um, he'd been working in so many roles, like you said, including athletic director. And so, you know, all athletic directors can tell you, (laughs) 
getting uh, having a, a, a pool of, of referees is always a real challenge, right? I mean, it's a thankless job often. And so he definitely really appreciated that. He appreciated all the unsung heroes. And that was something that, you know, I think he wanted other people to maybe understand as well then too. Um, again, kind of compartmentalizing, like I was talking about before, where, yeah, during the game, you might not be too happy, but then after the game, this person's a person, right? Uh, they were doing the best that they could during that um, and probably even better than what you realized at the time. Um, and so I appreciate that, right? I couldn't play the game without them, right? We, we need them as well. Um, they want to do a good job I and mean, we all carry our biases into, into whatever. Um, so in any case, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here rather than sticking on your, your question at hand. But that was the type of insight that I got to later on. And I definitely think he appreciated that as well, because he was actually roughing fairly early, even when he was still just officially, so to speak, a coach, um, like for he'd have, you know, um, youth tournament fundraisers for his various athletic programs. Um, and so then, right, who'd be the ref? Well, you know, he would and, and his and his um, when he was coaching college or high school, either his high school players or his college players would then be. Well, that's part of the deal. You're going to have to, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a small operation here. We need your help um, or summer leagues or what have you. So he had actually reffed himself. He could appreciate, you know, that type of sacrifice and dedication that those people bring um, to it as well. Same thing with, you know, the parents and the people that are willing to help manage, whether it's, whether it's an adult or, you know, you've got a lot of times at, um, at lots of high schools or lower levels, perhaps a, a, a student that's willing to do those tasks. And, and he really appreciated that. He really, and, and he really viewed them as part of a team then as well, too. I'm interested to hear about his multiple perspectives that he had. And the word that jumps out at me is empathy, that he must have been able to see the game from, you know, the, from the angle of a parent to know how much, you know, what parents go through in sport and to see the games through the eyes of a coach and then coming into officiating. That's the one I, I'm really interested in, especially in that that is not a typical trajectory that I've read about a lot. Someone mm. who has such a, um, a, a great experience coaching success and impact and coaching. And it sounds to me, as I've read about your dad, like he really had a profoundly positive and continued impact as an official. Is there more to that story about his fuller transition into being a sports official? And, and did you see other things out of him as an official that maybe you didn't even see as a coach? What was he like as an official? Sure. Um, well, you know, we kind of got into some of the ways that he had been introduced into that, how, again, that's a part of the, a, a vital part of the game. And, and he clearly recognized that having to do that um, himself. Uh, again, for the fundraisers and such. Um, I think a big reason for getting into it then more formally was, you know, you're stepping back from, from coaching. Um, so it's a way to um, still be active, still be engaged um, with, with the sport, with, again, the fraternity here. You know, that way he could still be visiting coaches that he knew, visiting other athletics, athletic directors that he knew and respected, helping them out, right? Um, it was actually literally that fraternization as well from the social aspect. I mean, that's, um, he leveraged that, to, you know, all of a sudden you'd see um, former players with their kids. And so he could 
you know, these last couple of years, notwithstanding with the pandemic, but before maybe, you know, come up and say hey to them um, and catch up with them. He was doing that then again after their games with his his football crew or, or whomever he was partnering with um, for basketball or volleyball or what or what have you. So, you know, he was really a people person. Uh, <laughs> and so this was his means of relating with the world, you know, kind of when you were asking for his traits, again, somebody that's just a really enthusiastic, passionate lover of life and wanting to share those interests with other people then. And, and so this was a way for him to continue to do that. Did he ever have significant challenges with people critiquing him as an official? It, it always strikes me that sometimes interactions between officials and coaches and, and even parents in the stands, you see some of the ugly side of people yeah. when it comes to taking it personally or you know, blaming the ref for things that they weren't trying to do. Did he experience that much or ever talk about that very much? Not often. I'm sure he experienced it. Uh, that's without a doubt. I mean, if you're a ref, you're going to have somebody that's, you know, not happy at some point that, that just goes to the territory. Um, but I think he was pretty confident in, Hey, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to adjudicate the, the contest fairly. I'm trying to be fair to all. I'm trying to let the kids have a good time while being safe. Um, and like we said, being equitable and all of that. Um, at least for football, I'm sure that part of it, what helps with that is you've got the actual physical distance uh, out in the middle there. Um, I mean, I know that he cared about basically, you know, coming across as a professional. Um, I was, you know, asking for insight with, with family members, like I said, and my mom, even up until, you know, this last season, he would even at home sometimes be practicing the signaling and practicing um, projecting. <laughs> um, he, it was really important for him to make sure that, you know, if he made a call, right or wrong, that people understood what the call is. I mean, right. Think about whenever you're watching a sporting event, how frustrating it is when you just can't figure out what the heck they were calling or, or doing. So that was something that that was really um, important to him. Um, it was something I actually didn't think about until really recently that maybe some of the times when some of the refs seem to be uh, <laughs> maybe gesticulating quite largely, it's really not to for them to be the center of attention, but to help out with that, um, to help out to make things as clear as possible. Probably sometimes that's not the case too, but just reminded me to maybe give those folks a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of that, that that's what they're really trying to do. Um, and so whether it was refing or coaching, um, you know, it was, again, just always being a student of the game, right? I mean, obviously, to continue your certifications, you're getting, you know, tested each year for the rule changes and such. But, you know, whether it was working at basketball camps and swapping ideas with other coaches while he was still a coach, or then, you know, he took it very seriously with his you know, officiating cruises, they were, you know, doing the, the, the classwork and, and studying for their tests and all of that for them to be, you know, on the same page and knowing whose role is whom's, especially in a, in a football crew. I mean, right. Um, that's just impossible to, you know, you have to be reliant upon each other to, to handle each other's particular role in that. Um, so that was something that was very important to him. Um, in terms of, I don't know from refing if he had any other concerns. 
I think from coaching, um, <laughs> I know one thing that frustrated him was something that he was on the other side of then too, and probably could relate to, which is of course, you know, if, if your child's not, not doing as well as you'd hope or getting as much playing time as, as you wish, um, you know, uh, the parent that, uh, the helicopter parent, so to speak, I guess, um, that was inserting themselves. Um, and I think that really frustrated him because he actually, again, um, if you're being competitive, right? I mean, not everyone's going to play an equitable amount, right? I mean, sports is, you know, kind of one of the ultimate meritocracies, at least hopefully so. But even then, I mean, everybody that's on the team has a role. I mean, you need people in practice, right? To fill that role as the opposition, you know, as you're preparing for them. Um, do they, you know, know the plays and can help run that with the rest of your team too, right? Uh, especially if other individuals aren't available, right? Um, if it's more of an individualized sport like track or cross country, um, are those, you know, kids pushing the other ones or overtaking them, right? Because um, again, that's how you end up with a great team is, is you're helping each other by pushing each other then as well. Um, whether it's a more team oriented sport or the more individualized one, there, there's still aspects of that. And so I, I think sometimes that frustrated him in terms of people maybe not realizing, you know, even if this person isn't the starter or even if they're not coming off the bench and playing that much, they still provided value to this team. They really did. And, and I recognize that as well then too, or at least I, I try to. I know that was something that was very important to him when you did kind of the end of the year awards, you know. Um, and, and again, you know, then as a coach, you've got to see the little things in the practices where that person is, is growing and, and doing better, um, you know, um, and celebrating that with them, right, um, in some small way. Again, same thing as an educator, when somebody finally gets that concept that, that just wasn't sticking there. I, I'm sure you've had that same type of gratification at some point, um, again, whether it was as an athlete or, as, or coaching yourself or, or, again, just as an educator then too. I mean, that's, that's something that's really, really fulfilling in terms of that. Um, and likewise, again, you know, um, really celebrating or appreciating the other people that just make, make it go for you. Um, one thing that was a, a lesson um, for us, he always really spent a lot of times with like the maintenance personnel, uh, the people that kept the lights on literally right at, at your various facilities um, and really appreciated all the work they did, right? Either mowing the fields, drawing the lines, sweeping up, um, opening up the, <laughs> opening up the facility. Um, if it's like the high school, keeping the lights running there. Um, because again, you know, without them, without the team manager, without whomever, without, you know, parents getting the kids to the practice and all of that, this just isn't going to work. Right. So, so definitely also having that type of appreciation and, and wanting people to maybe think of the larger perspective a little bit then too. It's so evident that there are literally hundreds and hundreds of young people over the years, maybe thousands that he impacted as a coach, as a teacher, administrator, official in so many ways, but it, it also sounds like he affected other adults around him. Um, whether it's through friendship or mentoring, how did he go about helping other adults, whether young adults or others he worked with? Did you notice certain things that were important to him as, as a mentor, especially as he got older? 
Um, well, I mean, I kind of thought about that a little bit. And so, you know, <laughs> maybe what I thought was uh, more appropriate was me not using my own words. And so, you know, I kind of gathered some of the, I mean, we got lots of feedback um, after dad passed. Um, and so I actually pulled, you know, some things that, that folks took uh, or said. Um, <laughs> and so one I thought that was really eloquent was um, one of the uh, young women that he had coached previously said, you know, hey, I already, uh, let me see, where's the better part? Um, I'm celebrating his life and will continue carrying with me the lessons I learned from him. He believed in me. It's as simple and as profound as that. What greater gift can you give a child? I really had a sense that he was always cheering me on from very young throughout high school and into adulthood. Uh, knowing Mr. Krieger as a coach, teacher, and mentor is a monumental blessing in my life. And I'm just one of the thousands in a tremendous wave of impact that he made. His humble leadership stands out, his infectious energy, his tenacity combined with the sincerest care of others. And he exemplified what community, uh, I'm sorry, he exemplified what service to the community means. I, I aspire to follow his lead. So, the, you know, that was kind of, you know, the fact that he could kind of convey that sense of, you know, hey, I believe that you can take this next step. I believe that you can grow. You know, I care about you. I think that was kind of the gift that, you know, um, this person was able to articulate much better than I could. Um, and that was very, very touching uh, uh, to me um, from that sense. You know, so much of the, we work with a lot of young coaches and so much of the lingo on coaching is technical. It's like, how do you teach a skill and all of that? And yet what you just said was a young person who realized that he believed in her or him or her. And that's pretty deep and profound. And that's um, a lot more than a technical thing that not only that he would say he believed, but she knew he believed. And that, that's, a, that's a profound thing that I think a lot of our young people can really draw from. To, yeah. to say that, I mean, that a young person would know that you believe in them. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things that he liked to do in the midst of practices was to stop and, and talk about maybe a bigger picture issue. And another thing that he liked to do was, you know, he realized that uh, the best way to get a program going was actually to get, you know, get people involved young, right? Because that's when you can really get them to buy into that type of thing. And when that enthusiasm is especially infectious. Um, and so then you can ha also have the chance to celebrate um, smaller victories because small victories lead to large ones. You know, you'd say, let's stack success. I think a lot of coaches say things like that. Um, so, you know, you were talking about technical jargon there or, or, or a technical skill. You know, he definitely believed in that. He definitely believed in practicing the fundamentals and all of that. But then you could break that down. Okay, let's practice this for your ball handling. Okay, if I'm going to try to, you know, dribble between my legs for figure eights. How can I, how many can I do in a minute? Okay. This is how many you did, right? Next, can you beat that? Can you top that? Right. Or if you broke it down to even a, a um, more baseline fundamental, right. When you're first learning to do both hands, right. Um, dribbling and maybe either crossing over or switching between your legs, even if it's stationary at the time, right. Can you do it without losing control of the ball? Okay, now, oh, you did it finally, right, after working. And so then that's a success and being really enthusiastic about that 
with whomever was trying to master that skill. Um, you know, that was how we tried to get that, right? Um, and so there was a lot of saying, at least how I remember it, at least for me, whenever I observed him or, or, or with me, um, you know, I know you can do it, right? Um, and, and not the whole, hey, you're failing and I know you can do it. It's, you know, keep trying. I know you can do it. I know you'll get this, right? Um, and so engendering that type of faith in oneself that way, right? Yeah, it's going to be hard work. That's okay, right? Um, you, but you'll get there um, was kind of the approach in general that he that he tended to take just because that was his personality. Brendan, um, I know this is a hard question to ask the last one because it's you could go on for a long time about it, but if, if someone were to ask you, and I'm going to ask you, a couple of the your dad's attributes that really just jumped off the page at you as it relates to his deep and ongoing impact in sport, what were some of his most memorable attributes? Well, I mean, you know, I think we mentioned it a little bit before. Again, very enthusiastic and energetic and passionate. Um, those are the attributes that, that really stood out to me. He was sharing what he loved. And because he was sharing what he loved, it was easy for him to be really up and positive and then to make other people feel that way then as well. Um, and then I'd say another aspect of it was just really giving. I mean, I'd heard, um, I can't remember what the source was, but you know, it was maybe talking about how um, sometimes it's hard for many people to ask for help and uh, to try to shift that perspective, whatever it was that I was um, uh, looking at basically said, you know, hey, think about the times whenever you've helped somebody out and, you know, what a dopamine hit that was, how good it made you feel, right? When you really helped somebody, you know, get past whatever it was they were trying to do, whether in coaching or out, right? In, in whatever walk of life or whatever task you're trying to do, whenever you're sharing your knowledge with somebody, you know, I don't know, home repair or anything like that, right? Something that's not handy. Um, and, and you feel great. Well, then it was saying, well, why aren't you asking for help then? You're basically denying that person the opportunity to help you out then, right? So he actually loved being asked, right? Hey, coach, can you help me out with whatever, right? Um, I think I got on a tangent before. Um, you had asked about some of the mentoring opportunities and, um, you know, an individual had, had posted um, on his obit page a really touching story about that, you know, about how he only played for him one year. Um, basically then how um, he was, you know, going to get into coaching, excuse me, please, high school um, as a senior in college. And so he basically uh, called dad for a reference. And so, you know, uh, he ended up relating a really touching story about how he you know, wrote a, a long letter, said, hey, this is the exact type of person that you'd want to guide, you know, your team, to, to marry your daughter, to be, you know, to teach your children, to, you know, to be that coach of student athletes and to be a great guy. And so, you know, of course, that, that, and that person was really touched by that to, to share that, you know, recently then as well then too. Um, but that's, but that's the type of mentoring that you're, that, you know, that I think you were asking about then that, that he looked to do then too, right? How, how can I help this, this person out, right? What are their strengths 
and and then how can, you know in what ways do I believe in them and that they can grow and then and then guide them to this. Um, again, part of it is just to like, hey, I, I know you can, you know, you recruit people for his refing crews that way then too, right? Oh, are you interested at all in this? Hey, or you're already refing volleyball? Hey, you want to try football? <laughs> right? You want to be part of that crew then too? Um, so, you know, just trying to make somebody feel welcome, right? Um, I, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give of myself for you because you did me the honor of asking me for your help in the first place. Um, so that was kind of, I think, you know, the approach that he that he tried to have um, uh, whenever asked. That term you used, you said he was sharing what he loved. That's that's yeah. pretty neat. I, I haven't heard that voice quite that way, but that's a really neat way to think about. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's. I think that's really how he lived his life um, or tried to anyway. Um, I mean, whether it was that, or I mean, he loved baking treats. So then you can just make them for yourself and or your family, or he'd love to then swing by, bring back to his coworkers or swing by from the last places he had worked and share them with those people. So, you know, again, whether it's sport, whether it's your art, you know, um, uh, if you're a musician, you know, your art in that sense, um, you know, that's a starting point, right? It's, it's, you know, here's the chance to connect with people in some way. And, and that's an initial point where we've got commonality, right? No matter what your interest is, you know, I don't know, film. Um, so whatever that is, then, you know, reach out and share that love with somebody else. And, and you're going to have this chance to have this really these really re rewarding relationships in, in some way by sharing that type of passion with, with other people.